0: on Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. I'm here for another day to talk about the Blue Jays, although there are some days where it's just... Really difficult to do so. And talking about the Blue Jays' performance last night definitely falls into that category after an 8-3 bullpen blow-up. A disaster of a game. From the mob of Toronto relievers that John Gibbons was forced to use to get through this start. So we'll talk about that. We'll we'll be talking about um, a new report regarding Jay Happ's trade options in the second half, but I wanted to talk about the bullpen first, because the series opener last night that went at that Again, there, there's not... A lot the Blue Jays could have done. Marco Estrada was not ready to come back. I'm sure that forcing him back would have resulted in him doing what the arms out of the bullpen did last night for the Blue Jays. Well, most of the arms did. We should not overshadow that Jaime Garcia had probably his best performance in a Blue Jays uniform. Gave them three innings on 28 pitches through 22 of them for strikes. That's amazing out of Garcia. Again, it's sad that his best performance comes in innings seven through nine of a seven-run game. But it this is 2018 Jaime Garcia. You take the little victories where you get them, and he did very well. And Jake Petrica continue to be serviceable out of the pen. He's down to a 305 ERA. It's looked like a solid bullpen piece like he was before his injury last year with the White Sox. So that's good. That's found money. Getting Jake Petrica there. But we, we need to talk about the strategy that the Blue Jays used. And the bullpen game has been a hot topic this year. With Tampa Bay's use of openers, guys like Sergio Romo, who's starting his first ever game at like 35, guys like Rin Stanic coming out and and getting starts for Tampa Bay. They've they've done so in an effort to try and I guess alter what their true starters are are going to be facing because their true starters are. Guys who come out like Ryan Yarbrough, who in 25 games has thrown 93 innings. Uh, Austin Pruitt fell into this category when he was up on the roster with them. Uh, But yeah, they've they've essentially used these relievers to open for whoever they want to come out. Johnny Venters even got a spot. Johnny Venters has had three Tommy Johns and hadn't pitched in five years, and he got a start. For Tampa Bay. A little, little crazy. But it, it was something born out of necessity for them. Kansas City has started doing it. They're using guys like Birch Smith as openers. But these aren't teams that are very good. Which brings us to Toronto. And if you are going to be a, a team that decides, hey, we're going to try this bullpen opener thing. We're going to see how it works. It's predicated by the the belief that you have someone capable of delivering multiple innings in behind them, like Yarbrough, like Pruitt, like uh, Wilmer Font, which we all remember what Wilmer Font did, uh, like Anthony Banda. like These are guys who have not gotten the starts for Tampa Bay, but have been guys who they can put out for four innings. Blue Jays had one guy who they may have considered as someone who could do that, and that's Jaime Garcia, and he didn't get into the game until the 7th when the game was well out of hand. I could have maybe seen trying to do that opening with Luis Santos, who wasn't bad. Luis Santos got the loss last night, but he wasn't bad. He wasn't the problem. But they, they didn't. They continued to burn arms. They sent Tim Meza out there on a night where he clearly didn't have anything going for him. Gave up single. Gave a walk. Gave a single. Like, he was getting lit up. But because it's a bullpen game, they had to throw him out there again. And he proceeded to put runners in scoring position again. And Aaron Loop comes in. And you know Aaron Loop's going to let the inherited runner score. That's what Aaron Loop does. And... Again, by that point, it was already going to be a tall order asking the Blue Jays to try and come back. And then the guy who you thought would be able to give some kind of innings, Joe Biagini, he comes out, gives up two home runs within the first three batters. Just good night, my only. Like, three three runs instantly. It was so disheartening just to see that scoreboard run up and get run up by a bad Twins team. A team that the Blue Jays were able to handle in the midst of those May and June doldrums. And just come in and tee off. Again, the bullpen strategy works when you have a guy who you know will be able to give you length. Joe Biagini has been fully converted back to reliever at this point. You know he's not giving you length. The only guy you had who could have given you length was Jaime Garcia. And and by that point, after Tim Mesa gave up four runs and it was a 5-1 game, I don't know why... Joe Biagini was brought out. I don't know why Jake Patrick was brought out. I know John Gibbons has absolutely zero faith in Jaime Garcia, but at that point, you have to start thinking about the rest of your arms and your bullpen and and getting them into positions where they can succeed in the future instead of just throwing them out there like sacrificial lambs. And And that's nothing to say that the Blue Jays wouldn't be in this point if the depths of their starting pitching hadn't been – completely stretched to the limit this season because if you think about it going going through the starters that the Blue Jays have used number one starter Jay Happ he's fine he's still in there Marcus Stroman came back he's he's all right he's still in there Aaron Sanchez is on the DL Marco Estrada is on the DL Jaime Garcia demoted for being Jaime Garcia in 2018 So that's three guys who have not been able to contribute. So you're already starting to stretch. Number six guy, Sam Gaviglio, is already in your rotation. Number seven guy, Ryan Barucki, is already in your rotation. That's four slots. And then what's happened with the other guys? Number eight, Deck McGuire, claimed on waivers. Number nine, Chris Rowley, claimed on waivers. Number 10, Thomas Pannone, still working his way back after being suspended half the year. I, I know these are that's a lot of stress to put on the rotation depth of the Blue Jays but the fact is they they've done this to themselves. They've done this to themselves where they where they don't don't trust guys and then like the I still don't understand the rally waiver move. Like there wasn't a corresponding move made. They just wanted Rowley off the 40 man. And Rowley would have been a guy who you would throw out there and soak up innings. And instead, Joe Biagini comes out in the fifth. And everyone knows what happens to Joe Biagini in the fifth inning. He gets lit up. He gets lit up as a starter and he gets lit up as a reliever. And I, I just. That game yesterday was baffling from a spectator standpoint. And. Like the the offense tried, the offense tried to to give him some support, but the the runners in scoring position was absolutely garbage yesterday. Two for twelve, thirteen men left on base, and yeah, one RBI with two outs. They push across one run, and that was Kendrys Morales, who is making himself look more attractive to other teams by the day. If somehow Kendrys Morales gets traded at the deadline, that may be the front office's biggest achievement ever because it it clears up a lot of space for the future but the fact remains that the Blue Jays were not executing when they needed to Randall Gritchick had a had a bad day at the plate and I hate saying that because he's had a decent time but after that first inning walk he had like nothing going right for him he got robbed by Max Kepler which not a lot you can do when Kepler makes a catch like that but still just not not a good night for him. There was an entire section of the lineup that was just worthless. 2017 Luke Maley showed up to play instead of 2018 Luke Maley. And again, just nothing got done. Nothing got done to, to generate runs. And it's, it's the same story this season for the Blue Jays. They can't get any kind of consistency on offense. And when you have pitchers going out there and giving up multiple home runs, it's incredibly difficult to win games so that is what it is that was depressing to talk about so let's talk about trading the number one starter heading into the season right after this okay so this came out a little later on in the afternoon uh Andy Martino, who is a baseball writer for SNY TV, said he had a source that the Jays had dropped their asking price for Jay Hap, saying that they had been looking for a top three prospect earlier in the season. Now they're dropping it down to to some lesser prospects, I guess. So that shouldn't really be surprising. It's admirable that the Blue Jays had tried to swing for the fences. You're dealing a guy like J-Hap who you don't think will have any, any more value to a team. I, I get trying to swing for the fences, but as it's become apparent in recent weeks, the starting pitching market is starting to get a little more crowded with so many teams falling out and, and apparently looking to move on from players. like We thought the main competition for trading Jay Happ was going to be Texas, who keeps claiming Toronto starting pitchers. And they were prepared to deal Cole Hamels. And that made sense. You could go for Hamels, who's a guy who's pitched in the playoffs before, and you could still sell Happ to whoever came in second if they preferred Hamels over Hap. I don't think that's the case, but that's the way you could sell it. But now, with more teams looking at longer rebuilds, you have Tampa Bay putting Chris Archer on the market, and Chris Archer is inconsistent, but on his day, he is insanely good. He's not a lefty, but he's, he's really, really good so he would demand a high price. Kansas City supposedly putting Danny Duffy up and while I wouldn't pay for Danny Duffy, he, he does have a DUI. I I can see why other teams are going to pay for him. And it it's looking like a buyer's market at the point because there are so few buyers. Now, that isn't to say the Blue Jays still can't get value for Jay Happ, but they're definitely not going to get the kind of value that they want. They're going to get value similar to the package that I was discussing with with the Yankees fan, with David Brown uh, a few weeks ago. Something where you get a starter prospect who's nearly ready, again like Dylan Tate or Chance Adams, and you get you know maybe a couple secondary lottery pick prospects but that's going to be your main main thing a guy whose ceiling isn't as high as maybe you'd like but in this situation I'd be more than happy to take that and if the Blue Jays front office is finally realizing that that they they can't really swing for the fences anymore then that that's good that's that's fine the important thing is to cash in on the asset while you have a chance and they're they're doing that with with the guys they have we talked about it yesterday with Granderson supposedly being on a move to Philadelphia with Hap they're they're trying their best to cash in and it, at this point with a week to go before the non-waiver trade deadline that that's all you can do is do your best to get as much as you can if you have to lower your price that's that's what you have to do so I'm glad that the front office is, is moving forward with this new approach to try and get people, just just in general, like Justice Sheffield was always going to be a tough ask. Whenever I put Justice Sheffield on the table, Yankees fans weren't biting. When I put Clint Frazier on the table, Yankees fans still weren't biting. J-Hap's performances lately haven't improved the price of that asking tag and again it it's at the point this season where you're just looking for whatever you can get that that's where we are and that's that's probably what is going to be next year too i i had some conversations last night with irene who is on twitter at orchid2424 where we were talking about just what what the Blue Jays would be looking forward to, we we actually got on some good things. I might discuss that in a later episode this week with someone else. We're gonna have uh, someone else coming on the podcast this week. Y'all will, re- y'all know who that will be. But yeah, we we're at the point where where fans are are looking forward, and the front office is doing so as well. They're, it's actually nice to see their dropping their price in order to make sure they can continue to look forward and can can continue to build those these assets for this kind of on the fly rebuild that they're doing. So, I guess that's some optimism for tomorrow. I'm I'm not entirely convinced myself, but we have to take what we can get in this 2018 landscape that continues to <laughs> Continues to crawl on as the humid days of summer come in, but this podcast will not leave you during the humid days of summer. I will be here. And if you want to get involved, you want to let me know how I'm doing, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NEOAC18. You can follow this podcast at Locked On J's. And yeah we will We will have more content for you this week again, should have a guest coming on tomorrow. You will know him you will love him, maybe I don't know. I don't know i I didn't get any negative comments about this person the last time they were on, so I guess we will bring them back. So you can find that find out who that is tomorrow by making sure you have subscribed to this podcast on iTunes on Google Play, anywhere you get your podcast. Just make sure you get that Locked on Jays content that you all richly deserve. So until then, for everyone here at the podcast, I am still Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening, and y'all take care.